On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we take a quick look at some new Star Wars news with the release of Season 7 of The Clone Wars. We'll also take a quick peek at the Witcher animated movie that was recently announced by Netflix in between Seasons 1 and 2. So we will not starve of Witcher content, which is always nice. And then, as always, we will take our deep dive into The Witcher Episode 1. We'll also be unpacking just who the Witcher is and what universe he's a part of. So with all that being said, it's time to batten down the hatches and dive, dive. Bravo six going dark. What's up guys. It's Austin back on the mic. Episode four joined as always by my co-host Connor. Connor, how are you doing today, man? Yo, uh, I'm happy to be back, man. I feel like it's been years since I heard your beautiful voice, and uh, I'm ready to record this podcast episode, Doc. Dude, I'm excited as well, just because I know The Witcher. I only know Witcher from video games, and you know a lot more, so I might as well just be a fan listening to an expert, but... Wow. Before that, uh, you were in Colorado again. What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two weeks in a row okay that's right okay that's right you poor <laughs> ouch oh i'm sorry i didn't realize a poor was talking to me <laughs> yes i will answer your question but only be out of the charity of my heart oh thank you uh, no i was uh, i was invited invited to being the key word because i cannot afford it uh i was invited to go back to telluride with uh with my with my old man and a couple other friends so it was a good time. Um, okay. Did not injure myself. Ooh, that's big. That's huge. It's really, it's really big. Uh, I, I'll say there's a lot of old guys out there. I, I don't know if I'm noticing this because I'm myself in becoming an old man, but there's a lot of old guys out there skiing, like eighty, zipping down the uh, the alpine slopes. I just, I, I was, I was ambiently nervous for so many kneecaps. <laughs> and just hips. so many old guy bodies and hips yeah the whole time i couldn't <laughs> relax because i'm like that guy's gonna die that guy that guy's got five years left <laughs> that guy's got five minutes left. like there was okay seriously i sat on a ski lift this is true i sat on a ski lift next to a guy who was 82 and he was a ski instructor and he's like i instruct all the old guys on how to ski because all the new because all the young ski instructors don't don't know what the hell to do so i instruct all the elderly people on how to ski and i'm like that do you have like an ambulance follow you or like <laughs> the entire time it's crazy but uh more power to them you know the global elite uh that are able to afford skiing uh even at that age i'm sure they have like nano technology to replace their spines and all of their tendons so i'm sure that's what's going on there they're probably at the forefront of the 3D printing of <laughs> organs and stuff because that's a thing. That's like a real thing. That Wait, what? Uh, yeah. yeah. What? Like, yeah. like the same 3D printers that uh, my coworker uh, Tony uses to print. Like he printed a Mandalorian helmet with his 3D printer. Isn't that so cool? That is, but yeah, but um, wait, yeah not to get off topic, <laughs> there's there was, body part printers. So there was something I was reading about, and this was probably, gosh maybe a year ago about 3d printing and being able to 3d print new organs. What? And essentially it was an article about the longevity of the human race and basically being able to 
not die almost or, or being able to really live oh. super long because obviously as you age you're you just lose your ability um your, your cells and your tissues and all that to basically function correctly and that's why they you, when you get old you slow down because everything doesn't work it's you know it works really hard uh all its life and it, it's time for it to re- it doesn't get to retire really so i was reading this thing and it was talking about 3d printing organs and how you know obviously when it comes out uh it'll only be for the elite so to right, speak of course but as technology continues to advance through it because it's not just going to stop and like oh okay we're going to market this for only rich people like as it becomes more successful, it's just going to get more and more and more. And I think it was like by 2050, it would be almost obtainable for anybody to, to be able to do this. And so Isn't like the plot of Elysium with Matt Damon, <laughs> don't the global elite fly in a spaceship above earth. And they're like, we've cured everything, but sorry. Yeah, yes. So okay. maybe that plot line, but tight, minus the tight, tight, it tight, never tight. spreads. But you never know. It it could it could be contained. But yeah, I read that. I'll probably have to, you know, refine you know it what? and send it to you or something. But I, I swear I it was an actual scientific article. Um I forget what news outlet I pulled it through. So BuzzFeed. The number <laughs> one science resource. Don't insult me like that I'm joking i know you're above <laughs> that awesome um you know what's sad clearly i get it from the onion so <laughs> you know what's sad and I, I promise this is the last thing i'll say about uh body part printing you know what the <laughs> driving force behind this technology probably was um i mean i have a <laughs> you know what i'm saying guess and then i have like a childish guess well, let me hear your logical guess first, because I'm I'm curious now. So your logical guess would just be like amputees, right? Right. Okay. So you know, I mean, it's like okay, we have the the prosthetics, and they continue to develop more and more and more, and you know, sometimes they're expensive. But I'm pretty sure you've seen, I'm sure you've seen news stories about you know college engineers or or an engineering firm or whatever 3D printing. A prosthetic for somebody and it's like way cheaper and I'm, i think there's like a, a veterans program for it Dang. um so it's like okay you know boom it, it helps it, it reduces the cost it gives you a more normal look um mm-hmm. you can integrate the functionality to it and i mean if you can 3d print with tissues like then you'll just have like a whole new hand so that's you know whether how close that is i have no idea but that's crazy um, that's a very sweet and nice and humanitarian answer. Now tell me what the childish answer is. <laughs> well, of course it's some, you know, guys, group of guys that are just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if I have to say anything more than, <laughs> but I think that's, that's the you childish said, answer. Wow. A childish answer, but a very poetic one. Uh, Cause you really said it all right there. And uh, you know where my mind was at. Because there definitely was a a collection of dudes going <laughs> like let's let's print off new ones. Well, so. you know that they were sitting around having some beers, and someone floated the idea half joking, like, "Well, I bet we could do this." And then someone, I mean, of course, someone has that minute of sobriety where they're like, Wait. "We actually can." And then it happens, and they're like, "Okay, let's go do it." And then it happens, and then that's when you get the <laughs> so. <laughs> I just I feel like 
I feel like matters of and this is this is and this is an actual theory. This is not just me saying this. Most technological advances are furthered by uh we'll say appetites of the flesh. Like <laughs> in film school, like the the first thing you learn is that most uh film techniques and innovations were driven by the fact that people wanted to see moving images of like naked <laughs> bodies. Yeah, I mean there's you know, there's plenty of dudes back in the day that could not get any, so it's like, well, how can I get oh, close to spicy, it? Spicy dude. Oh dude. <laughs> uh let's just you know, then there's like some smart genius guy that's like, oh, I can either you know, he was either one of those guys or um uh, he's like, you know, and I can help my fellow man. Let's let's do it this way. And then here we are today, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think I have to say much more than that. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably the most interesting theory I've ever heard about that, because I was just thinking like of oh, just the classic voyeurism. Like that's, you know, that's what dudes did back then. It was just like, <laughs> but you're saying there was like some sort of some sort of Jesus figure in the film community that was like, I will bring what you desire to everyone. Uh, that's, that's hilarious. And also sacrilegious. Uh, yeah. When you said, when you said it that way, yes, I, no, you pretty much said the same thing. I was just bringing it to light. You pretty much said that. (laughs) All right. Uh, shall we discuss, uh, the two little news tidbits that we wanted to touch on? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, (laughs) Okay. I don't think Let's we do need it. to further dive into any anatomy related things. Yeah. Um, so we'll start, we'll continue slash end our trend. Star Wars, the new Clone Wars trailer recently came out, uh, season seven, I believe. And I, just, wow. Honestly, actually, Connor, <laughs> he's like, hey, have you seen this? Uh, and I was like, no, I haven't. So I, we watched it before. And I, so cool. honestly, I'm just like, wow, because I'm currently watching uh, Clone Wars now on Disney Plus, and I remember watching it on Netflix, and the animation was kind of what you figured it was, was the animation, right. and it's not, you know, super, uh, I, I don't know, a, a good word, you know, there wasn't a lot of gusto in it. Um, right, I mean, they have a, but, they have a certain budget for something like that, there's only so much they can do. Yeah, but I, I noticed, I thought it felt different or looked different now, but then seeing this trailer, I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks incredible. It is so yep. different than what is in the uh, the original uh, series, because I think, would you say, you might know, would you say making figures more blocky um, or, you know, having like hard, hard corners versus rounded uh, you know, like faces and feet and features, would that be easier to do more hard line and, and like straight edges versus around? Uh, I think for the Clone Wars, it's mostly an artistic choice to style them that way. Oh, okay. I will say maybe some of the blockiness you're talking about is the lack of like nuanced facial animation because that's hard to do, obviously. So, okay, so I, I think that, that may be what you're it. what you're like thinking about. Because when you look into this trailer, I oh, it's mean, great! It's you're like, oh, that that is that looks real. Like Anakin looks like he does in Revenge of the Sith, pretty much. You know, as really good as close it. as he can. So I was, you know, blown away by that. And then just obviously, uh, 
you see Maul in there, uh, Ahsoka, and she had obviously uh, left the Jedi Order prior to all the bad stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there was a mention of A Night of a Thousand Tears being in Season 7, which has to do with some significant uh, events that happened to Mandalore. So, right. Oh, right. There's right. just a ton in there. Obviously, that's not wasn't included in the trailer, but it just the overall feel and the hype, you know, February 22nd, which actually is a day before my wedding. So I guess maybe we can <laughs> call that one off. Be- yeah, before, call it off. Be- well, we just watched it the day before. So it comes out that Friday nah, night. I get married. Better just Saturday. call it off, dude. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be enough time. So sorry, man. Oh, okay, perfect. I'll uh, I'll let my fiance know. I'm sure she'll, she'll understand. She's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what I mean, she what has do you her think? hands around your neck currently, <laughs> killing well, you. Well, what you guys don't what you guys don't see is the uh, pistol pointing at my head. So, what a lady. What, were you asking me something before I rudely interrupted you? Well, I was going to say, what did what did you think? Um, obviously, you have yet to start Rebels or Clone Wars. I th- you said. Uh, yeah. prior to recording that you would watch Clone Wars to an extent. And I think you might notice the same difference as I did, but as someone that hasn't started the, either of these shows yet at this point, what, what did you think? So when, when the show was live airing, this is for all you kids out there, here's a little history lesson. Uh, before there were streaming uh, services, everything came on at a specific time on a specific channel and you had to sync up your life to watch that show which now that i'm saying that out loud sounds so inconvenient what the hell were we doing anyway uh, so i watched the show when it came out and i was following it for i think maybe even two seasons uh and then i I forget what happened but uh, you know i just it was kind of hard to follow and uh i just now am starting to get back into it so with with that in mind like yeah the new trailer looked looked amazing i mean it I think they know what they have now, perhaps a bit more than they did before the Mandalorian or, I mean, I know this show was in production while the Mandalorian was happening, but I think they understand a little bit better what they have with that show and how important it is to people. And I think they're finally putting the appropriate budget and effort and talent behind the show. And I think that really shows. Cause like, like you said, the, the, the textures, the animation, even like the lighting system, it just looks super beautiful. Yes, I agree. Um, so with the Star Wars checked, now before we take our deep dive into The Witcher, mm-hmm. a little animated Witcher news, I guess I can say, is that there's going to be a movie released ahead of season two. So that should help uh, quell the hunger for more Witcher content uh, in, in the intermediate future, uh, obviously before season two happens. Um, but that's pretty big news. Obviously, yeah. The Witcher itself has been a massive success. And so Netflix pulled the trigger on the animated movie. And it's so it's called The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, which... Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. Sounds super um, tight. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really cool. I'm really curious as to what level they have mm-hmm. the the animation, I guess, in a sense of what, what kind of 
I guess really to put it bluntly, violence are we getting? Uh, obviously, you can get very violent or you can get less violent, but knowing this series, yeah, I would bet on be. the, the, the uber-violent side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Do you know when this movie's coming out? I don't, I don't think I caught that. Um, I do not. I just know that it's confirmed and it's rumored to be released ahead of season two. Ahead of season two. So some, this just occurred to me, actually. They're coming out with this movie. It's animated, so you can assume, I would say, that it's being done by a different production house because it's a totally different medium. Are they are sh- and I'm not just talking about this show now. In the Netflix or I'll say streaming era of entertainment, are they going to start doing what uh Infinity Ward and Treyarch did for the Call of Duty series? You know what I'm saying? Where they have the mainline people working on the series, but to pad the interim they ha- maybe they hand off the IP to a lesser studio or a studio that specializes in continuing things like Treyarch does. And, you know, they, they come out with different types of content to, you know, satiate people. Cause that, that actually would make a lot of sense, but at the same time, there's that creeping sense that if they, if it does turn that way, is that going to affect the quality of the show? What do you think? Um, I think it's it's an interesting thought and I think it would be one that I could get on board with because they're they're two separate things um and I don't know if basically if you have that that on and off there's no reason you shouldn't be able to deliver good content through your seasons because you have you're not in a demand or a rush to get the next one out you know you're not trying to feed this unquenchable demand for more content because you have this buffer and that allows you to take the the whatever standard time or whatever you need to to get what you want um and it's not you know you're not going to be forgotten about you're not going to you know run a risk of you know losing the show or or losing people in the interim or, or whatever you know you're not rushing to finish or anything like that so i think it's a good idea Quite honestly, yeah. If the animated movie is good, um, I don't know how much they would be able to do. You know, you can only have so many movies, and I think an animated show would probably not be the move with the uh, live action TV. So, yeah, um, you might be limited. It might just be, um, you know, it was probably one of those things Netflix had in their their back pocket, and they're like, okay. We announced that we were going to do The Witcher for a while. It released. Obviously, it's a very, um, I don't know, I'm going to say harsh community, but it's been a prominent uh, yeah. thing in, in the gaming world and, and the fantasy realm. And they want to make sure that they don't butcher it. And the fact that it crushed it, I'm sure Netflix was more than prepared. You know, we have an exit strategy if it doesn't do great, but we've yeah. got a progressive plan if we do well. And they're like, okay, boom, because Netflix does have uh, animated shows already that they own. So you could easily filter in The Witcher, uh, you know, in my I mind. So. so I like and, that idea. Honestly, I yeah. think it would be a good idea. Uh, yeah, it just, it just, it kind of came to me that that might be what's going on in the industry. I've got nothing to back that up, but it seems to make sense. Because uh, uh, Castlevania, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the Castlevania animated series on Netflix is really quite visually stunning and it's cool it's, it's got some flaws 
Uh, it's definitely got some flaws in terms of the way it tells the stories and some of the acting is a little suspect, but for, an, uh, I, I don't know if independent is the right word to use now that Netflix is such a monster, but for, we'll say a Netflix budget animated TV show that doesn't have any precedent. It looked awesome and it was super gory. The aesthetic worked, even though it's, you know, it's, even though it's a hand-drawn animated show, the aesthetic worked for the brutality, especially of the sword and uh, whip combat. It was, it was awesome. I don't know if you've seen it, Austin. Have you? Uh, no, I have not. I've Ooh, watched it. it and cool. I was like, eh, maybe I need to watch it. So all that to say, I think they can pull it off and I think it could serve a really nice purpose of padding in a lot of, uh, Witcher, I'll say backstory or, you know, side stories. Cause there's a ton. There's a ton in The Witcher, and there's so much that you could explain. So I, I think it's a great idea too. Um, and I'm not at all put off by the by the idea of an animated movie. I think that's actually pretty cool. Well, you could just think of it this way too. Uh, obviously, with Disney Plus, Disney took all their content away from Netflix, so they lost shows that they produced through Marvel. You know, like The Punisher and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, right. Uh, daredevil all those characters got yanked even though netflix was the one producing those shows and then you look at the model of disney and what they've done with star wars in time and basically maximizing the profits of a massive universe and making sure that the the fan base always has something to look forward to um in a world of competition i think disney has such a big following and they have so much not necessarily power, but Star Wars is a massive universe that's got a huge following and it's no longer on Netflix. Netflix is trying to make sure that they don't lose a massive audience base because if you're comparing mm-hmm. apples to apples, it's like, okay, well, uh, Disney Plus is producing all this exclusive Star Wars stuff and you know Netflix has cool stuff here and there. But I mean, if you're being 100% honest with yourself – Netflix releases a ton of shows and by season two or three, they're canceled. So it's like, uh, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to follow this, but I go to Disney plus seven seasons of animated, uh, clone wars. You know, you're going to get a lot of Mandalorian, you know, Obi, the Obi-Wan show is probably going to be a great hit. Um, you have the massive star Wars universe. That's going to be tapped with new movies. All the new movies will be on there. So it's almost like, Mm -hmm. okay, well as Netflix, how do we compete? Okay. So we have, we obtain the rights to the Witcher, which is in itself a massive universe. What a get. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's relatively untapped. So, uh, you, you know, you had the games, you've had books, but to the mainstream marketplace, it's untapped. Right. And you have a, a-list actor in Henry Cavill that plays the main character and you create this show and it's like, okay, well, we're going to see how it does. And then obviously it crushes it. So I have to think Netflix is like, okay, we have our competition for losing all of, of our Disney content, Marvel, Star Wars, because there was, there's Marvel shows, you know, that fill in the gaps of the marvel universe so that it's right. all gone now from, right. from netflix so now how do we compete with that okay we can do something similar to disney with the witcher now because everyone is salivating over the witcher and the fact that you have to wait till 2021 to get season two of this show if you don't release something in the interim it's going to be forgotten 
I mean, it's just how society works. But the fact mm-hmm. that now they're teasing out, okay, we're going to go ahead and go through with a animated uh, movie. And it's almost like another pilot. So it's an interim where it, if it hits, it's like, okay, we can push animated content much to what Star Wars does on top of their live action while we produce the the Witcher, the live action show. And we've got that stopgap. So if it comes out late 2020 or fall 2020, then we've got that, uh, that buffer into 2021 when the Witcher releases. And then if it hits great we'll continue to do it if not then we probably have other avenues to explore and guess what the witcher is still on everyone's mind but season two comes out it's like oh like oh yeah the animated movie wasn't great but i love season one like i i remember yeah i'm excited for season two so that's just my business thought of okay netflix is looking for their yeah big universe where they can contain their audience and it's exclusive to netflix much like Star Wars is exclusive to Disney, yeah. Disney. So That's interesting. If now yeah. I think the the trick is can Netflix create the Witcher into a fraction of the massiveness that yeah. Star Wars has? Because obviously the the history of Star Wars really helps that along. That'll be the 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 trick and, and the question because you're operating on such a smaller historical mainstream timeline so to speak so um yeah and man that's so interesting that you saw it that way because i I think that does make a lot of sense now from a business standpoint and we live we live in the era of you know expanded or extended universes cinematic universes with marvel and now disney that makes sense i just i i struggle to see the witcher as spread out as Marvel or uh, Star Wars, just because the stories really do just center around Geralt. There's a really, you know, there's a huge cast of rich characters, but it's not like a, it's not like the Game of Thrones books where you're you're following different people throughout their journeys. It's really just Geralt. So, and that's not to say they can't extrapolate and make you know new stories, which they've you know they did for the show, but ah. Uh, I would like to see The Witcher maybe expanded upon a little bit, but a full universe, that seems like a stretch. Just in terms of their ability to do it, in terms of a business model or something they they might attempt to do, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, I think you're probably dead on. Yeah, I think it's just interesting because Netflix was the service for so long and now then they lose probably some of their larger content in Disney. And then you have streaming services from CBS um, coming out that's got the – I think CBS does the Star Trek show, I, I think. There's a DX I, – I, I can't remember you've if it's Picard CBS. You've got coming out. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've you've got, got Hulu, So that's another big You've thing. got Amazon Prungus. you got – Well, the problem with Hulu is owned by Disney. So oh, is it really? Hulu – Hulu is Disney. Yes. Oh, I didn't even know That's that. why you could package Disney plus Hulu and ESPN all together because they're all this under the umbrella. Oh but God. Amazon Prime is a, is another one is, you know, is something. So that could, you know, whether or not Amazon decides to heavily invest. Well, actually, let me back up. 
the Lord of the Rings show is going to be on Amazon. Oh my that, God. I totally that forgot. Was, That's completely, that I was, have not thought about that in a month. What the hell? I think I saw some news recently about basically saying, yes, it's happening. So, holy, um, so Amazon crazy. is about There's to gonna... put their, oh. yeah, their hat in the ring uh, along. So Netflix, if I'm Netflix and I'm like, okay, yeah, Disney has star Wars, which is huge. Now, Amazon has Lord of the Rings. It's like, what do I have? Shit. Huge. Yeah. Okay. What am I working with? Uh, you know, I, I've obtained a huge universe, but it's just, it's been told through a very limited, um, eye set or eyesight, I, I guess, you know, yeah, a eyes. couple characters. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome, buddy. I'm trying to use filler words to sound more intelligible. I love you, man. All right, keep keep trying. <laughs> keep working on that. I would like to point out that I said intelligible on purpose. I, yeah, no, I got that. That was that was slick. That was pretty good. Okay, you got okay, points good. for that I'm for not, sure. From the, I am from only the a half a moron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. This has been a pretty satisfying little news hour we've had. I, I suppose we should dive on in, huh? Yeah, I I believe it's that time to, as I always say, batten down the hatches. Episode one of The Witcher, a much anticipated mm-hmm. series through Netflix. So, where do we begin? Well, we end <laughs> as the episode is titled "The End's Beginning." So, how about that? Love that. Easy to understand. Yeah, and I'm sure as we continue to go through. Honestly, I was very confused when I watched this series the I first bet. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh it kind of the <laughs> the title in itself great start for a pretty much guy actually pretty much sets the precedent for how the show's going to go. And if, if I could make uh just a quick like proceeding statement here just before we just for anybody who's listening to this to follow along and kind of understand what happens in these episodes. If you are not familiar with The Witcher, if you haven't read the books or even played the video games, you are not alone. As someone who's a massive fan of The Witcher, who's read the books, who's played the games, this, even for me, was pretty hard to follow. Um, partially because they changed a couple of things from the books to make it more appropriate for TV. But partially, they just chose to tell the story of two books in one season. So... Do not feel bad if you were kind of like confounded by the way these episodes were structured. You're not alone. Um, and I, I, I'm actually surprised, Austin, that because I, of course, I really enjoyed this series. I'll, I'll start with that. But I was surprised that this did you know that this show, The Witcher, was is I think it's on track to be the most popular season one of a show ever. Did you hear about that? I have not seen or, or heard anything about that, but I'm not surprised. It yeah. was, I remember looking at the ratings for every episode and I mean, it was, I think we mentioned it in our first podcast when we were introducing who we were. Yeah. It scored higher than the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian scored pretty high. That's so crazy to me. And this is someone who's like a, a, a you know, Geralt fanboy. I've got a tattoo of him on my back. Like <laughs> that's not true. Just so we're clear, uh, but yeah. So I'm I'm ready to jump into this, dude. Make make some sense of it, uh, right? Let's go. And I, I mean, we we quite literally jump into it because the opening scene 
to the first episode is a frantic struggle and we get a immediate taste of what this world is and it has monsters in it. It literally, there is a massive spider monster attacking our hero who we obviously, I think most know his name's Geralt. Um, Henry Cavill for the ones that just like to salivate over him, but he is literally fighting a huge spider like thing. And I hate spiders. So this is just like extra terror for me. Um, And it's in a swamp. It's just this frantic struggle. He's being, this thing's trying to drown him at, at one point. And basically he is able to kill it by cutting off a, uh, appendage uh, yeah there you go i did it i couldn't even think of the word <laughs> i was gonna say a spider leg but that would have been I, fun you know. oh okay <laughs> go ahead man uh, and then stabs it in the face and but and then you see the character his eyes are all black it looks like mm. um you know if you've ever seen into the badlands on AMC, when the there's these special people that turn out like superhumans, their eyes go black like that, and then like there's black. It looks like veins around their eyes, and their you know their skin looks kind of different. It, it kind of reminded me of that. But you're like, uh, sup, sup, dude, what's up, man? Yeah, he's <laughs> but uh, doesn't look like the the typical hero you would expect to see as like the shining knight in armor. He looks like he looks straight up like the villain. Exactly. And so then we get fast forward and to, I mean, the perfect segue, we get fast forward to the town of Blaviken. Um, He's looking for basically in this realm or in, in this world, bounties get put up for killing monsters all the time. You know, monsters are a very common occurrence in, in this place. So he's trying to respond to a bounty because he's a bounty hunter, essentially. Um, he goes into a tavern, his hood's up, but he basically gets stopped and it it's uh you know in 2020 it definitely doesn't feel okay because the guy says we don't want your kind here, mm-hmm. Witcher. Mm, that would not fly in today's world, but we're not in today's world in this show, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. But basically he gets into I say he gets into, he's literally just standing there kind of hanging out, staring at people, just hanging out. He's like, he's just trying to ask a question. And all these guys are getting up in arms about, we don't want you here, Witcher. You're nothing but trouble. We don't like you. We're going to, we're going to fight you and kill you. But uh, before all that happens, we get our second character that seems to have some importance. um, Renfrey. So she steps in. She's mm-hmm. like, apparently she's the leader. She gets the guys to back down, and they're like, "Okay, you got it, boss." And I like how they're Italian. You got it, boss. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> if this guy gives you trouble, you just call me. Well, I mean, that kind of like that kind of fits that that, that stigma, right? Like yeah, a, a strong Italian woman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Italian woman, and then she's got all her the matriarch. You know, what are you the, talking yeah, that's about? Right. And you got the goonies. Hey, hey, this guy gives you trouble. You just let us know. We're gonna take him down for you. All right? We'll just be sitting right over here. Hey, guys. So, uh, just for our listeners, we have Italian friends. We're allowed to say that. Yeah, I believe I have a piece of paper. Um, with crayon on it that says it Italian okay. card <laughs> signed Italian guy. 
or girl. It's just an know. Italian I don't sub. Wanna... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got no, book you... clubs rising up against our podcast, and now we have the Nation of Italy, uh, of which I'm a big fan. Love what you guys have done with tomatoes. I think that's just really good uh, stuff. I need. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta gather myself for a second. Renfrey um, steps in. She yes. separates the boys. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically gets some uh gets some myrrh and she chugs them with Geralt. And uh just guys being dudes. Yeah. But the bad news about that is the bounty was for uh something called I, I might butcher this name, a grave gravier? Graveyard? Maybe it's French. I don't know. Oh, I don't know um, that one actually. Is, I, yeah, you're right. An, I don't. I don't know that one. Which is another type of monster, yeah. and we learned that the spider thing is called a kikimora. Kikimora, you're so close. Kikimora. Okay. So well, close. you know, hey, hey. Um. So Geralt's like, well, shit. He might actually say. I think he actually does say the that. first one. I think that might be the first one of the series. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Exactly. And his his nice deep, uh, heroic voice yeah. but so he steps outside and a girl comes up to him her name's Maril- marilka yep. nailed it nice um and she's like hey there's a wizard in town named Stregobor who will buy this corpse he bought my dead dog he bought like uh some other stuff and she's kind of like super chatty and uh He's talking to he. I love that he talks to his horse, and I also love that his horse's name is Roach. So, mm-hmm. kind of gets you an insight of who Geralt is. Um, he's like, "Okay, I'll go with you," and he gets to this stronghold, and he's going to knock on the door, and he puts his hand on the door, and it goes right through. So immediately we know, okay, it's some sort of magic illusion, and he walks in, and wow, it's uh, a. Quite down, the down, view. Down, down, down. <laughs> yeah, one of those. My Sexy mind is telling me no. My, my, my body. body. <laughs> my body is telling me yes. Ooh. Yeah, I'm signing my record deal later. There, dog. Nice. Yeah, right. I'm signing it later. Um, but it's just a bunch of naked women just hanging out in this garden that looks pretty nice. Yeah, eating apples and uh Basically, he he meets the wizard, and he's like, "Hey, I was told that you will uh, basically buy this corpse." <laughs> but we kind of find out that it was a ploy to get the Witcher to come to see the wizard because the wizard has a job for him and needs him to actually kill a monster. And as we get this description, we find out that it's a human and not only is it a human Mm -hmm. it's renfrey the woman that we met literally five minutes ago at the bar so imagine that you go to the bar you meet a nice chick she's kind of giving you some vibes and you're like okay well i'm gonna go figure out this (laughs) dead spider thing on my horse and we'll hang out later and then you go see the guy that's gonna pay and he's like well actually i want you to kill this girl her name's renfrey and you're like ah you know, in his voice, ah, shit, you got to kill her. So, you know, we kind of find that out, but we get this big backstory of why uh, Stregobor wants Geralt to 
kill her. And it's essentially this prophecy of princesses born under an eclipse mm-hmm. are um, polluted with a dark power. And it was said that the goddess of darkness would invade the world if 60 of these women were allowed to live and that they would fill the valleys with blood, blah, blah, blah. So basically bad news according yes, to Strike and, Yeah. And he breaks it down. Uh, he's like, Oh, I've tried to help them in the past. It just doesn't work out for them. This is the humane way. And we get a nice little stand of Geralt saying basically given two choices of evil, mm. he would rather not choose. What a good quote, you know? dude. And uh, I'll say that is a direct quote from the book. They did not make any changes to that. Evil is evil. Lesser, greater, middling makes no difference. The degree is arbitrary. The definition blurred. If I'm to choose between one evil and another, I'd rather not choose at all. That was a, I... that's free. That was a free, <laughs> free voice work. Feel free to use that. Well, honestly, it is a great quote. I love it. I was like, wow, we're getting like philosophical here and I like it. That's, you know, that's the thing me... about Geralt for being so uh, like, not soft-spoken, that's not the word, uh, for being someone who doesn't speak very much uh, to normal people besides his horse, when he does speak, he's actually quite poetic. And if if you read the books or, or just keep watching the show, um, it'll keep happening. Uh, he, you know, for someone who's lived that long, you, it makes sense that he's full of wisdom. Uh, oh, one, one little fun fact I wanted to point out that you might not have known, Austin. Do you know how he, how Geralt knew that the tower was magical? Because if you notice in the show, before he even touches the door or touches the barrier, he senses that something's up. Do you know how that is? Um, I want to say it's because he's mutated and sure. he just has these senses, but that's probably not the right answer. That's not a bad answer because that definitely comes into play. But uh, the Witcher emblem, so you'll notice that he is from the school of the wolf. He's got a little wolf pendant on a necklace. Uh, whenever that is in the presence of magic, it will vibrate and uh, alert Geralt to the presence of magic. It's one of the key ways that he can detect uh, when magic is being used subtly or if there's like, you know, some sort of secret or something that he has to figure out. So that uh, was subtly implied there. But uh, yeah, that's all those. That's all the fun facts I got for you right now. Where are we at now? So basically, in between Geralt talking to Stregobor, we get a quick cut to um, this, the, I guess, country. Is country the right word? The city-state? The land? Okay, the land. The land of Sintra. It's a street. Um, There's some boys and girls that are playing a game called Knuckle Bones, where basically you Mm -hmm. throw them up and you try and pick up. I think it's kind of like, oh, What's that? There's a game like that. It's like, what is it? Um, oh my gosh. It's with dice and with like jacks or something like that. Is that just called little, jacks? Maybe. But anyway, <laughs> they're playing that. Um, and these knights roll up. They're playing for like a piece of bread to take a bite of bread. And you can tell that she's a girl, but she's wearing a cap uh, to, to hide. She's like, don't take a bite of that bread yet until I go. And as she's trying to go... Horses thunder up to her in armor, and they're like, hey, uh, you need to come with us. Um, 
and we find out that this girl is actually Princess Sorella or Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is standing in the uh, throne room uh, while her grandmother, yep. uh, Queen Kalenthi, is honoring loyal soldiers. And it's kind of funny because her grandfather and her are kind of whispering. Nobody wants to be there. You right. can tell that. Um, and he's kind of goofing around with her and the queen is kind of sucking it up and basically says, can you guys just, you know, do your job for five minutes right. <laughs> essentially. Um, so we, we have that interjection before we kind of get the explanation of the curse of the black sun. But, um, so that I, I apologize that for not adding that in there. Um, but yeah, we, we find, you know, Geralt's not going to kill her or doesn't want to kill her. And we learn that apparently she can't be killed by magic because of these this eclipse thing. It's this whole thing. So basically, Geralt's got to kill her because nobody else can. Um, and he chooses not to because that's that's not his style. But so with that wrapped up, we go back to Sintra now. So there's a feast going on, and we find out some news, and it is that this place called Nilfgaard, which is being mm-hmm. classified as an empire. The Nilfgaardian Empire right. is marching on the city. And so Siri kind of hears this and they're trying she's trying Kalenthi's trying to whisper it to her husband and he's like, she needs to hear about this. And basically she kind of invites her uh to dance with someone and then we get more news again of confirmed Nilfgaard is in the territory. It's war, essentially. Right. Just basically, um, she eats her words almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, because she's she's saying it's not you know they're not imminent. We would know. On top of that, we've got. Um, I think the grandfather is from the islands of Skellige. Yep. Nice. Uh, we... Do you know what clan he's ahead of? No, I do not. Twirsack. Okay. There you go. Bing bong. So she's like, okay, there's he apparently he was just there and there's like 50 warships coming with more soldiers for them because the Nilfgaard thing they were expecting and preparing for, but it wasn't imminent. And but now it's imminent and we get this kind of last moment of innocence of Siri dancing and enjoying this feast while we see her grandmother knowing what is is coming and and the kind of the uh mm. you know the a little bit of foreshadowing of this might not turn out very well but before we get to that we're back in blaviken beautiful blaviken sunny beautiful blaviken yes so Geralt, after turning down stregobor is in the forest um he's collecting some stuff for potions uh he's talking to his horse roach mm-hmm. That's normal. Awesome. We all do that. Yes. Um, and sure enough, out of the woodwork is Renfri, the very woman that he was asked to kill and refused. And she tells a story that we kind of know that she was a princess and that Stregobor, we had learned that he Stregobor sent men and they found uh, essentially something in his head because she killed him. Mm-hmm. And but she says that this man raped her and then cast her out 
and then she they let her go and then she killed them right so she's in blaviken to exactly actually revenge. kill him so it's like uh literally Geralt stuck between a rock and a hard place because mm-hmm. now both parties have approached him and saying i want you to help me slash i want you to kill be a killer the other be a hired exactly killer. be an assassin yeah and um essentially he tells her to <laughs> he essentially tells her to move on get over it yeah just well he tells her to leave it's over i mean because yeah he's like just get over it it's done it's over just why it does not matter yeah uh and it's it's not that easy to interpret but uh in the original chapter uh the lesser evil uh from the last wish book it's more of an ultimatum and he's giving her an easy out here by saying just you know what it's not worth it skip town but the alternative is that he will kill her if he is forced to um and he does not want to and do he that. does not want to cuz uh i don't know if we've talked about this yet but um witchers I don't know if I can apply that to all witchers, but at least for Geralt, he is very reticent to kill intelligent creatures, particularly um, humans or any of the sentient races. So this is particularly like not his, not his dealio. He doesn't like it. He wants to just hang out in the woods and speak to his horse pretty much at this point. Uh, Connor, the horse has a name, Roach. Okay. You will address him as so. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Also, but this remember, roach is a uh, this roach is a lady. By the way, see ya. Okay, whatever. But you <laughs> refer to her as roach. You got got son. All right, uh, whatever. Sorry, please continue. Um, but w- remember, a little earlier we were alluding to like, oh dang, like I just met this pretty pretty hot chick at the bar. Now this dude asked me to kill her. Well, there's a little there's a little static at the bar. You could tell. And uh, we kind of see that after Geralt basically tells Renfrey to sod off, um, she doesn't sod off, but in fact... Sod's on. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I was thinking, is there a better way to make a less corny joke? But <laughs> who am I kidding? We're dweebs. Yeah, that's the whole corny point. Corny <laughs> is our middle name. So yes, instead of sodding oh. off, she sods on. So we're spared the imagery because we get a complete 180. So it's called the Marnadal Stairs, which is a pass in the Amel Mountains leading to Sintra, is where a battle takes place. We see a very small contingency of... Sintrans led by the queen and king Mm -hmm. and over the hills coming towards them you see the very ominous black and dark force of the nilf guardians and they've got a lot of people with them like a lot it's a a lot rolling deep yeah and um kudos to the king and queen um they are on the front lines and we get our first battle and it is brutal it is awesome beautifully just done beautifully done yes let me ask you this austin were you 
were you surprised by the quality of the choreography, the special effects, the way the battle looked? Because I was I was pretty into the show at this point in the first episode, but it was right then when that guy gets his head cleaved <laughs> through his helmet Off. by like a giant. No, no. So the guy who gets like oh oh the guy before he gets his, his head, head gets okay, yes. almost bisected from the top from a, just a heavy war mall. And as soon as I saw that special effect, I was like, okay, nice. <laughs> we're we're back. <laughs> we're here. But well, I mean, were was that the point where you were into the show or like were you already into it at this point? I think for me it was a, a point that definitely drew me in further because um if I think about it from like a casual fan standpoint, like Geralt seems like a cool dude, but what if like I don't really understand the significance of these people. Um, I need something, you know, like I'm, I'm a kid, like I need something happening and I, you know, get it immediately. Um, well, I guess, you know, there was a fight with a spider, but I don't like spiders. So you were closing your eyes the whole time. You didn't even see it. That's right. I was shaking. Um, but we get the, the people on people action. Um, and quite honestly, not that I'm a combat savant or anything like that, but I have a tendency with military and anything that has to do with a a tactical nuance or or how things should be done. I'm very picky with with what it is hmm. or, or how it's done, and I I do enjoy most all of it that I see. But when I think back, it's like okay, yeah, it's kind of corny. Like the biggest gripe I have is when someone with a uh, a nine round clip and a pistol shoots 25 rounds and kills 18, you know, like, yeah, right. like 30 right, right, people. Right. And you're like, uh, and that was one of the things my dad would always point out to me. He's like, he doesn't reload. And and then ever since he pointed that out, it's ruined movie, for you. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this dude didn't reload this six shooting revolver just shot 12 bullets. Right. Okay, great. But it's just one of those things. And I, to your point, it's so graphic and detailed, but it's not like cheesy where it's like you have your king and queen and like everyone's surrounding them and people are like, okay, well, you know, taking a number like, oh, I guess it's my turn to give it a shot here. Yeah. I hope this goes well. <laughs> <I'm dead. laughs> it's like, okay, uh, Nilf Guardian soldier uh, 437, you are facing Queen Kalenthi. Please um, report to the you... battleground. That's right. Please report. Um, and... This battle is approximately two seconds. You're actually going to die instantly. Bye. Okay. <laughs> so, but it's just like this full on, um, you know, there's, it's just chaos. And, and that's the best way to describe it. And that's what it was back then. And on top of that, the smaller force, they're not winning. No. You, know, you think like, okay, th- there's going to be heroics and they're just, they're going to be so much better. Yeah. No. Where's the Aragorn like, moment? <laughs> exactly like these dudes are getting wrecked Mm -hmm. and the queen and king have that realization like there's we're uh you know we're kind of in a tough spot here and that's you know the queen says hey we're going to we're we just need to hold out the skellige troops are coming and that's when the king turns around. And he's like, well, actually, there was a storm and the ships weren't able to make it. We're on our own. Ugh. And then you see that, you know, there's that moment of shit, but also understanding like you can't run, you know, that you can kind of sense that's not their nature. And she says, well, we're going to fight and we're going to we're going to outlast this and we're going to make it. And the king turns around and says, basically, of course, 
and you're like, oh, they're going to do something super heroic. And right when he turns around, Tommy gets dunked on by an arrow that comes out of nowhere through his eye. And you're like, holy shit. That's not good. Yeah. (laughs) He kind of does like the whole shocked, probably as the body realizes that it's dying in the in the moments and then he dies he got he literally yep. has an arrow through his face yep and you have the Hard queen to live that. yeah you have the queen which obviously this was needed to for the effect but the queen stops fighting and is on top of his body like screaming obviously that's her love he's dead mm-hmm. um and, and i think it helps to the point that there's like a little bit of a perimeter of centrons around her and she looks up and we see a lone dark rider by himself with a bow. You see him putting it away. And I thought he was about to shoot her too, but he doesn't. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really it. We, we don't really know who this guy is, Not yet, nope. but we know the, the, the battle has just become even more dire. And of course we don't, find the end because we're transported back to Sintra. Siri is pacing around. Um, she's worried it's been, I think she says, two days right. since they had set out and she is talking to uh, Malzak? Yep. Is that his name? Nice, dude. Okay. You're nailing it this time. <laughs> Malzak, um, who we kind of find and understand he's uh, a druid, a an advisor, to the royal family, he's ma- he has magical abilities. Um, he's just kind of reading a book and and being the mentor that I'm sure he he kind of is supposed to be. And he's kind of saying, you know, they're fine. We're gonna know. You're gonna be okay. Um, and really, that's that's all we kind of get. She has the interaction with the. Um, the night on the wall and it's like, well, why are you here? And he's like, it's my honor to protect you. And I mean, she's just kind of pouting at this point, but, uh, yeah, basically we kind of cut to, um, the battle's lost and Nilfgaard is at the gates and they just breach them actually. And they're headed to the castle. You see, I mean, it's at night, things are on fire. People are screaming and, uh, Kalenthi is brought in and she's wounded pretty, pretty badly. Bad. And Siri Caesar. Yeah. yeah. Um, Siri Caesar. And essentially it's uh, a, a sad a moment. And you kind of think maybe there's some hope here because Malzak does some, you some you know, jazz, some jazz hands, some yeah. spirit fingers and puts this impenetrable, force field around the castle gates and it's really funny i love this part i giggled the there's three Nilfgaardian soldiers charging the gate i mean the gates closed i don't know what they plan on doing but the three of them are charging and they all three hit this force field and go flying backwards and there's literally a sound too so (laughs) you know what it reminded me of i laughed too but for a different reason for whatever reason austin i was i was (laughs) imagining uh the battle of naboo where the gungans have that big force field oh <laughs> this are gonna hurt <laughs> Ooh, baba gooba <laughs> <And they're> like, 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. But it had like the same like chromatic aberration like effect. And it was like kind of like a gooey, like weird, silky surface. So I, all I could think about was uh, Jar Jar Binks uh, flubbing uh, with the little blue grenade balls. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to stop. I basically had to pause the episode and collect myself. But uh, yeah, so she's injured. Siri's looking real upset. Um, and it's really not that long after that the barrier falls. Like the Nilf Guardians are shooting right. arrows at it, and then one gets through. And that's essentially when the barrier falls. And then it's really like, okay, now Siri, we got to get Siri out of here. It's, we're defeated. We're over. Um, I think there's a moment where she hands uh, or talks to her guard about basically they have these guests here from this banquet and Nilfgaard doesn't take prisoners. She says that. And so he, he goes off. It's the big, the large man, um, which, I, which is awesome. Cause he's also a badass on the battlefield, but yeah, he whisks away to go do what he needs to do. And we have our moment of Siri with the queen and she's saying, you need to find Geralt of Rivier. Uh, he's your destiny. Rivia. Rivia. Or Rivia. Sorry, excuse me. I don't know why I said Rivia. Rivia. He's your destiny. She looks at the, the knight that was left behind and says, who's Laszlo. Um, you're, you need to protect her, get her cloak. And while this kind of happens, basically they're trying to pull her away from her grandmother. And Siri screams. Uh-oh. And like shit starts like shaking. You're like, uh what just and suddenly it gets way more interesting you're just like uh okay so she's something's going on with her um and i immediately thought oh she's one of the black sun girls because you know right it kind of like fit that description but i was like okay and at first when i was watching this i'm like she needs to find Geralt because Geralt has to kill her is that what this is leading towards but then i realized who siri was and i was like oh no just kidding i know who that is but that's kind of what we get so Essentially, we see Siri get whisked away. Uh, Malzak and Laszlo, they're they're going through different tunnels. Malzak basically, they get outside and uh, Malzak basically says, I'm going to stay behind to protect your escape. In the interim, we see the guard that uh, Kalenthia talked to passing out poison Yikes. to her guests. Um, That's so brutal, dude. Can you imagine showing up to a party like, oh my god, like this time of our lives, like we finally got invited to the royal court, honey. We're finally moving up in the world. Oh, hey, is this? Oh, more wine? Why? Thank you. Well, it's not even that. Like they know they have to. I know they know. And like it's this. I mean, it's this scene of this family. They feed it to their sleeping son. And then the wife gets the other portion, and oh, then the yeah. the dad has to stab himself in the neck and cut his own throat essentially to kill himself because there's not enough poison for everybody. Um, so that was just like this whole like this. I think the picture of Nilfgaard and how terrible they are. Like these people are willing to do this to their family, and not like there's no chance for for any of them. You know, it's it's not great. Um. So and then on top of that, we get. Queen Kalenthi walking to the window, looking out over her kingdom. It's on fire. People are yep. screaming. People are dying. We're getting these cutscenes of her people being killed. And she jumps out the window and doesn't really jump. She just falls. She yeah, likes there's a to full fall Tom and Baratheon right there. Like she just straight up falls out the window and dies, hits the ground, and, and is dead. 
Um, meanwhile, Laszlo is riding away with Siri, and <laughs> you know that guy's dead. From the second you meet Laszlo, you're like, yeah, he's dead for sure. Well, you thought he might last longer than he did, but quite frankly, they get maybe ten feet on the horse, and he gets an arrow through his neck, and he's dead. And we find out that it's the same rider that killed the king. Um, Real crack shot. That, yeah. Well, and then his his name is uh, K here. Nice, I dude. You're like you're like eight for eight. Nice. So that's that. We we will put a bookmark there. So essentially, Siri immediately gets captured by this guy. Yeah. She was supposed to escape. Um, Malzak stays behind to help. Um, es- help them escape, and then Laszlo gets zapped through the neck. Sears captured, all in like five minutes after yeah. the importance of not letting her get captured. Pretty garbage escape on all accounts. Right? Yeah, really bad. Um, so we're gonna now we're jumping back. Um, and we are back in outside, I guess, of Blaviken in the forest, and we're getting like a vision of. Renfrey talking to Geralt essentially of his destiny in a way, finding the girl in the forest yeah. and she is your destiny. Um, she had kind of, you know, to get into the weeds a lot, she kind of like had a premonition of him before they did the deed of, you know, him being stoned in town and, um, all these different things. So he wakes up, she's gone and he knows that she is going to try and kill Stegobor, which he doesn't want to happen. It's well, it's not even an, uh, a question of once. I don't think, I think it's more, he can't allow it to happen by a code. Um, does he love Stregobor? Not at all. Can he watch him die? Uh, no, he can't stay. He can't let that happen. Um, it's also implied, just to tread back like slightly, it's implied that some of the herbs that they were picking, uh, she may have fed to Geralt, and that's why he was kind of tripping out there. Yes. Uh, but in terms of the prophecy and how that obviously, because we get the imagery of Cirilla running to the forest, and then she mentions, you know, seek the girl in the forest, or remember the girl in the forest. I forget what she exactly says. Um I interpreted that as she was being used by the forces of destiny. You could say to say that, but I don't know if Rinfrey herself knew that that was, I don't think she sharply knew that Geralt needed to seek Cirilla of uh, Sintra. I think she was referring to herself there, but didn't know why. Cause she was also a technically a girl in a forest at that point um, because they were making love in a forest. So yes. I think that was, kind of a pretty a pretty uh a slick way of weaving in destiny but still keeping it relevant to what's literally happening within the scene um and i'll i'll talk a little bit more about uh the show writers approach to this season but yeah i just i thought that was an interesting little bit they did there yeah and so we we get to the next point which is probably will be one of the more iconic scenes in this in season one of the Witcher. And it's the, the fight of Geralt versus Renfrey's thugs that were in the bar Mm -hmm. trying to be bullies. 
And oh, I mean, just, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you say, dude? <laughs> it was, I was just oh. like, this is so awesome. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, it's just cool. Like, that's all you can I say. Literally, yeah. I, I don't know if I have any other words to describe than it was awesome. It I was have so a couple cool. words. I have a couple words. <laughs> okay. And, and these are words of praise. Uh, so you were talking earlier about realism and uh, choreography or portrayals of war. I am typically on the same scale because I, I write fiction that involves medieval warfare. Uh, you know, I've looked up a lot about how sword play ought to be and how dueling actually happened. And the, the weight of swords are actually very light and things like that. And they, they usually tend to really bother me or really impress me depending on, you know, who's doing it. I have to give props to the choreography and overall feel of this scene because they didn't try to be that realistic at all. In fact, they were very upfront with that when he starts the fight in a reverse grip with a sword, which you just, if you know anything about sword combat, that is literally just doesn't give you any advantage unless it's a dagger and you're stabbing someone's head Uh, with a full size sword. Reverse grip is worthless. Uh, It's only done in anime and certain movies. But the way that they had it moving and twirling and the way he kind of danced through several opponents at once, it was so fantastical. It was so different. It was, it was, a, it was beautiful. It was dancing. It just, I didn't have any issue with it at all because they didn't make an attempt to be like, this is proper knightly sword combat. And here he goes, a parry and a, no, he's, he's basically a blade ninja, but it, I don't know. They, I just have to credit them for making that all fit and look nice uh, while still being like obviously ridiculous in terms of actual sword combat. So that was sick. And then again, again, the gore, the the up close gore where you see there's no weird cuts. There's no like smash cuts where you you don't really see what's happening. I mean, you see it in full gory detail and till this day, I'm still having a hard time understanding how exactly they did some of those effects. Cause it looks that good, but yeah. What, what a scene, what a scene. And so I'll say on top of that too, as much as I enjoy the, the realism aspect, honestly, I think we all know and understand that Geralt is not a normal guy. Um, and he's got probably more strength, more, um, aptitude for combat. And, to me, the way he was, and th- I think this is a just a big credit to, obviously the choreographer, um, the the team in general, the other actors, um, but really uh, Henry Cavill too, because right the way you pointed, you know, you had said the reverse grip of the sword that you wouldn't see, like I didn't have an issue with that because, um. You know, I don't obviously I don't think you would ever kind of see that uh that blade style in in a typical, you know, scene. Obviously I don't I don't know what it was like back in the day, but the way he wields that sword and in his manner and his mannerisms is so fluid and realistic and it doesn't look like it's burdensome, it doesn't look clunky, like right the sword is an extension, you know, of his arm and it doesn't matter which way he wields it. And it's almost like a, an advantage to 
use it the way he is because it, it shortens, yeah. um, you know, the strokes and the and it gives you quicker reaction and blocking ability, and you're able to use the entire weapon versus just the bladed part, which he does. Um, obviously, you get a sense of he literally throws the sword through a guy's chest. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. But you're like, okay, well, I mean, like, but Got you, him. but you know that Geralt's not a normal guy, so it's like, oh, peace, dude. It's not like, a, okay, that's not real. Like, I have a problem with like normal dudes doing stuff like that. But when you know the guy is special. It's a, I feel like it's okay because it, it just wasn't – and it wasn't, like, absurd either, you know? It's within um, the realm of possibility, assuming that Geralt is a superhuman. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just so beautiful. And the unfortunate thing is um, the choreographer that did season one for The Witcher is not doing season two. Sad. Um, that is so sucks. sad. I don't, I don't know why they – I hope they have a good reason because that's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I and the choreographer. Funny enough, I want to know his name, and I will. Uh, it was also the actor for the Night King in Game of Thrones. Oh so yeah, the same, the same guy. <laughs> um, so funny. Uh, so it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, he he is pretty cool in himself. But yeah, it absolutely sucks that he's not going to be back for season one. Um, but. We, so we've got like the seven dudes that he just absolutely butchers. Uh, I think the the last guy gets pinned to a door and then his head's chopped off. Um, Casual. And we find and then Renfrey comes out of the shadows. She's got uh, Marilka um, yeah. hostage, and yep. she's basically saying, "I will kill everyone in this town until Stregobor comes out of his, you know, his little hiding." And she is like hell bent on doing this. So we know something's going to happen. We know Geralt doesn't want to kill her. We know that she's going to do anything to kill this guy. But before we get that resolution, we're zipped back to Sintra that is on fire, burning, more people dying. Um, and Kay here is riding through the countryside on horseback. And Siri is like flopped over his saddle like a, a dead body or a sack of potatoes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, she's looking back at the city, it's her home and she, we get the same scream that she did in the throne room with the same effect, essentially startling the horse. It kicks them both off. She continues to scream and scream and this conveniently placed rock tower, yeah, I don't know. I don't, in between st- both of them, <laughs> still don't really know what that was. I mean, it was cool that the earth opened up, but that uh, I was like, was that like a tower? Was that just like a? Was that the rock that like Simba was? You know, yeah, yeah, it kind of <laughs> looked like on? it. Was that Pride Rock? Like, what was that? But uh, essentially, we get Siri running off and separating the earth between them, running into the forest because she was able to scream away. So it just gives you that like, okay, who this chick be? Who this? Yeah. Um, What's she all about? Exactly. And, and what role will she play? But before we know more about that, we're back in Blaviken. And now yep. it's Geralt and Renfrey. She lets uh, Marilka go. And essentially, um, she says i you know basically i'm gonna kill you if you stay in my way Geralt doesn't want to fight 
Geralt's like, I, you know, if essentially saying, if we cross swords, I have to kill you. Like mm-hmm. I, you, like you really, you can't, you can't do this. And he's kind of realizing the monster that she is in, in, in essence of, she will kill everybody in this town to, to, to get her revenge. revenge. Yep. Um, and this is just another beautiful scene of sword play because she attacks him. He doesn't want to fight. So he's trying to back away, but she's actually really, really good in yeah, sword super play. Super good. And we we kind of was hinted towards that by Stregobor saying like, yeah, I can't send people because she's so good at sword play. She'll yeah. kill anyone. Magic doesn't affect her. Like she has influence over men, um, et cetera, et cetera. So she attacks Geralt and actually gets him, uh, you know, nicks him. Yep. And he's like, he basically, you know, we, we basically need a sound clip of, ah, uh, shit, uh, of Garrett. <laughs> Garrett. 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 <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no! That's so funny that a, a name that is like three letters off makes him sound like such a dork. <laughs> I'm Garrett of Rivia. <laughs> I'm so sorry if your name is Garrett. You are it. It works for you, honey. Garrett is your name. It's great, but for Garrett Geralt, terrible. You, but if, uh... <laughs> If you were a Garrett in Geralt's time, you would You're be dead. like the the Stregobor would have found you and killed you. <laughs> you would be like the the tubby, not very good at things, Witcher of <laughs> that everyone tries to forget Garrett. Garrett you know, you'd be the like Witcher. the the comedy act, like Oh, you're a witcher. Yes, I'm Garrett of Rivia. And be like, oh, we were hoping for Geralt. We hear we've heard stories uh, about Garrett. He wasn't available, <laughs> so they sent me. He kind of ri- reminds me of uh Samuel Tarley in Game of Thrones. Oh, you know, just like the you know, that kind of guy. That would be Garrett, Garrett. of Rivia. Serves a purpose, I guess. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we got super sidetracked from a super awesome scene because I called Geralt Garrett. Awesome. That was your that's on you, pal. <laughs> I know it is. We get a a lot of sword play. It's just beautiful choreography. And essentially Geralt is like, okay, I, I have to kill you. And, um, despite, uh, Renfri's effort, he bets her and gets his sword at her throat. And instead of immediately killing her, that's actually the second time he could have killed her. He steps back and he doesn't want to. And Renfri attacks him with a dagger. And this is where he, there's a nice, uh, choreographed hand fighting scene which ends with the dagger in renfrey's neck yep um and essentially as she's dying she whispers the girl in the woods will be with you always she is your destiny so we get that again um and to connor's point not only was it Renfrey in the woods, but also we see Siri running in the woods, and we know that Ger- that she is supposed to be looking for Geralt. So just definitely a lot of foreshadowing there. Um, but really, the end of the episode comes to fruition because um, obviously Renfrey's dead. Stregobor wanted her dead. We see him walking up through the <laughs> the carnage. There's literally just dead, bo- mutilated bodies in the street of the of Blaviken. Yeah. Um, he gets there and 
he's like, oh, perfect. It happened. We're going to take Renfrey's body to the tower for an autopsy. Yuck. And Geralt is not about that. He puts the sword to his neck and is like, if you touch her, you're going to be right next to her. Um, and essentially, Stregobor kind of pulls a mental fast one on him and gets the whole town turned against him stating that he took justice into his own hands, slaughtered all these men in the street. Um, you know, you yep. hear like you're a beast, the butcher of Blaviken. You got to uh, love medieval townspeople and their propensity to just throw rocks. They get well, like, like medieval townspeople just get incited to do anything. And they literally just freak. Have, okay, I'll kill him. <laughs> they just have rocks randomly. Like it's kind of like a a dirt pass in the town, like well worn. Not a lot of rocks, but suddenly there's a lot of rocks. They keep that mother effing rock on them at all. Times, they just have dude. a bag of rocks. They're bag like, of rocks. You, you never know when a stone. You know, someone needs to get stoned. So we're I just keep that thing that. on me. <laughs> set, yeah, and essentially. Stregobor's like, you know, you you need to leave. And as the stones are hitting him, the prophecy of Renfrey comes true in that essence of that he would be stoned in town. And mm. it, it's true. And it, I think it really hurts him when uh, – what's her name? Marilka – is like crying because we saw this of not affection, but like this awe and this excitement of having him in Blaviken. Yeah. She was the only person that saw him as like, not a freak essentially. Exactly. Because of her innocence, I guess. Um, so it really hurts when she says leave Blaviken and never come back. Yikes. And Ouch. so he's he's off. And this is as we're ending um, episode one. You know, we hear again, the girl in the woods will uh, will be with you always with a cut shot to Siri. Scared running through the woods. And mm-hmm. again, it ends. The episode ends on she is your destiny. And that's that's the end of of episode one of The Witcher. So Woo! it was just what a ride a, a lot. It's so awesome. I mean, they just. At all levels, just an amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing episode. So I gotta, I gotta talk to you about this really fast, uh-huh. um, because you're someone who you d- you d- didn't play the games, right? Or did you play them a little bit? I played the third one extensively, but that's you it. Did. That's the only okay. knowledge I have of The Witcher. Okay. Yeah, I was so, so you didn't sad read the books or anything. I, so, no. I guess you had you had you had a a definite leg up on the average viewer who didn't see anything. But um, how did you feel about this mixing of storylines? Did, did it, did it read okay to you? Like, were you able to follow it for the most part? Or was there a moment in this episode where you're like, what is that? Or like, what are they talking about? So no, in this episode, no, because in my mind, the way they did it, it was, essentially the start of their stories of you know who they are as characters and we kind of find out later on the road that these events aren't parallel right you know one of them is happening way before the other which i when that started to come to light then that's when i got super confused but 
as at face value of episode one, the way that they did this back and forth, it was easy to follow because, you know, I think for most people, it's like, okay, I'm getting the storylines of these two characters. They're in parallel. They're just at different spots, uh, you know, at different times of the show. Yeah. So, okay, it's easy. It makes sense. And they're linked together. I don't know how, but I'm sure I'll get that explained. But I know this little girl needs to find Geralt and Geralt just got kicked out of town. So I'm assuming they find each other. And so in that regard, it was easy. Knowing what I know through the whole season, it's very confusing. But at face value, yeah, I was able to follow. Okay, good. So I I was into the show after the first episode. But as a fan of the books, I have to admit... I was a little, I was a little disappointed, but only, only because the way the books introduce Geralt is uh, amazing. And I know why they chose the story, the lesser evil, because it's very similar to the very first time we ever meet Geralt in the books. He gets, he walks into a town, he gets in trouble. He has to slash some people up and suddenly uh, he's a butcher and he's, he's not welcome. Uh, it's just the pacing is so much slower, obviously in the book, uh, that's usually the case, but we just get fed things about girl at such a digestible, nice pace in the books. It's, it kind of almost, I felt bad for first time viewers of, of any, of anything about the Witcher, just like the Renfrey scenes where he's kind of in and out of consciousness and She's talking about destiny. I just, I feel like that would have been really hard to follow for someone who is brand new to this, uh, to this Witcher universe. Um, not impossible, not impossible. And I, I do, I should point out that Lauren Hisrick, I, I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, she's a show writer. She intentionally, she said this, she intentionally made not just this episode, but the entire season. She wanted, she said she wanted it to flow together in a very vague sort of uh, cerebral way because she, she thought it was interesting to kind of portray time uh, as, as more of a cyclical uh, transmutational like uh, medium. Like it's, it's not just like this happens, this happens, this happens. It's everything is happening all at once, always. And the past obviously affects the future, but it also is a, it, it's like the future rehashes destiny over and over and over again until it's recognized. So I give her credit for attempting to do this approach. I think it's really cool. Did it, was it executed perfectly? I'm not sure, but uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a little, a little bit later. Also shout out to Geralt using uh, the Witcher spell. Oh, let me quiz you, Austin. Uh, I'm not going to know what Witcher sign <laughs> did he use against uh in the big fight against her thugs i i don't know it's been a while since i've actually had any knowledge of that it is the tempest of wind the tempest of wind known as ard a-a-r-d come on dude (laughs) you know what you did really well you did really good today in terms of names so I, i can't be too mad at you thank you i appreciate that wow so obviously a lot to unpack there, including learning new spells, which is just an added bonus. 
There you go. Um, and, uh, you know, just another reason that we're only doing one episode because we kind of needed to set the stage and then unpacking mm-hmm. everything that was in season or not yeah, season one Um, in episode one for the Witcher. But obviously loved the show. So good. Um, Is there anything else? I mean, outside of the introduction of Geralt that you liked, you disliked any, you know, kind of maybe final thoughts before yeah, we, sure. we surface. Um, I overall, I'm excited that the Witcher is being brought to a broader audience because as I'm sure you've seen the headlines, book sales and even sales of the Witcher three, which came out in 2012 um, or 2013, they're skyrocketing again. And it's not just like, Oh, there's like a little boost in sales. Like, no, they're, they're flying off the shelves. They're selling out. Um, I believe right now for $15, you can get the entire paperback set of the Witcher series, which is an incredible deal because usually those are $15 a piece. So get after those. But so I'm excited about that. That's awesome that people are going to, you know, eventually dive into this universe. The book, it was masterfully written. The short stories in the first two books, which the season one is going to cover, they're told at such a pace that I love, which is it's slow, it's contemplative. And the by the time that Geralt has to reach a resolution and make a decision, you have all the knowledge there with you. And you you feel you feel every tense moment that Geralt has to consider. So I'm not saying that doesn't exist in the show. It's just lesser. And then because I believe budget reasons and timing reasons and wanting to get to series storyline, they had to, you know, edit stories, obviously. I think some of those edits damage the original story. Um, Maybe they don't. And I say that in a way that's just purely because I'm such a fan of the books. Um, Does it damage the show? Probably not. It's probably really nice that we get the series storyline in the first season, it's going to be really nice to kind of get going and get to some of the other stories in the later books Uh, that it makes sense. It's just, I'm just kind of sad that I don't get to see some of the short stories or see them in their, in their uh, completion. But other than that, I mean, I'll I'll say this, they nailed the characters. They did a great service to Geralt, to Yennefer, to Siri. I think all the casting is perfect. Um, Everything looks good. Again, the battle scenes were masterfully choreographed. I I really can't ask for much more than that. I I wholeheartedly agree on a lesser knowledgeable scale. That makes sense. All right. Well, (laughs) I think that about does Um, it. Yeah. Um, So as always, uh, as we wrap this up, don't forget Follow us on Twitter at Dweeb Dive, Instagram, um, and our Facebook page is up, all with the same, uh, at, at Dweeb Dive. Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, leave reviews, too, if you can, on Podchaser. I know that's one that you can immediately do. Um, I don't know if iTunes has weird rules, but we love to hear feedback. Uh, let us know if there's something that you saw in The Witcher that you want us to take a look at. Uh, don't worry. I know that we'll definitely be quote unquote diving in on Henry Cavill's body. Okay. It's just an inevitability <laughs> that will happen. It will come to fruition. People and we were worried that we weren't going to. Somebody asked about that. I posed the question, what do you want to hear about? And that was obviously the first Wait, thing. Really? So, Is that real? 
Yes, that is very real. Okay, well, then um, I'll study up. So I think that comes in episode four, I think. Hell the yeah, bat scene that was like in the trailer that everybody was like salivating that over. Ass. So the, 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 those leather pants, <laughs> exactly. But uh, make sure that you're following us on those platforms and and tuning in so you don't miss our review because I'm sure we'll have a lot of interesting things to say on the bat scene. Um, I believe in episode four. So with that, the dive is ended. We're surfacing. We're back. Thanks for joining us on our deep dive and we hope to stay with you again soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.